Hey guys, welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Bill Simmons' Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast is officially out. This new podcast extends and reinvents his New York Times number one best-selling book from 2009 and breaks down the NBA's most important games, players, and teams. Starting with Steve Kerr in the premiere episode, Bill's using new commentary and fresh interviews to determine how the league has evolved and where it's headed. The first four episodes are out now wherever you get your podcasts and will continue on a weekly basis. Check out The Book of Basketball on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's going on, Jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. First battle season one champion, Mike Long. The king of sad stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Troy Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. This is your real WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Gufaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening. You're listening to this. You're listening to. You are listening to. You're listening. You're listening. listening. You're listening to the Masked Man Show. 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 Hi guys, welcome to the Masked Man Show. You know that like I love all the stuff that happens outside the ring as much or more as I love that happens inside the stuff that happens in it. I mean, I care more about the storylines or at least read more into them to the point that I have to care think more than most people. But it's like the real life stuff, right, that matters. I'm not talking about like, uh, you know, like rumors and just like silly relationship stuff or whatever. But like the real stories that 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 make up the the stories that we see on the screen or that affect the stories that we see on the screen or that affect the way we watch them. That's the stuff that really, that like makes me really excited. Um, and when you hear about something, like when you like click on, you know, Twitter, the wrestling Reddit or whatever, and you're just like, and you see a news story that you're like, Oh man, this is going to, this is going to, this changes things, you know, like this, somebody quit, somebody signed with somebody, somebody, you know, whatever, somebody's signed a new contract. Uh, it's it's interesting, not just because it happened. It's not just the news. It's because how it's going to affect TV, and so you're, it's it gets your gears churning, and you're excited to see you know what happens next. And then there are real life stories that you just don't um, want to deal with at all, <laughs> that are, don't make you excited to, to hear. And, and this, and you know, this, what we got this past weekend uh, or this past week in Saudi Arabia is one of those. Like I just, you've been following this, Jim, a bit. I mean. We're going to talk about it later in the show. Kenny Herzog's on. We're going to go into the whole situation. But WWE ran the show there last week, Crown Jewel. I'm sure most of you watched it. Um, interesting stuff actually happened for a change on a Saudi show. And uh, and then on the way out of town, they all just got, uh, almost all of the, the, the cast and crew got stuck in their airplane. And everybody sort of assumed the worst, that there was some dispute between WWE and Saudi Arabia. And that suddenly all these wrestlers were like pawns in a potentially very dangerous game. Um Listen, it's it's just it has the it's 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 crazy. I mean, this has the potential to be one of the biggest stories in WWE. I mean, in like modern wrestling history, we don't know what's going to happen. Well, you know, there's a lot that's that we'll never know, or that we certainly don't know yet. Um, but it's just, I mean, what a what a situation to be in. What a situation to be in. I mean, I just I just don't even know what to say. I mean, it's it's a. And we're going to talk about it, and I and I don't, 
don't want to step on anything we're going to talk on talk about then but it's like sometimes like the meta narrative of pro wrestling is just i mean it, it's just it's just it feels so empty and so and so unnecessary i don't know i don't know it's not even like there's not even good jokes it's not funny it's like people who are like you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of stories, there's a lot of misinformation out there, there's a lot of co- contradictory information out there. But what we saw that's undisputed is wrestlers coming home and and Instagramming and tweeting out pictures of them kissing their loved ones. And like, there's again, I mean, that's an incredibly heartwarming thing and touching and everything else. But this is not a story that I. I mean, it, this is this is the end of like a sad and scary story, and it's it's um, it wouldn't have happened without it, and it's just hard to, I don't know, it's just it's just a hard, it's it's just it's a ridiculous situation to be in. Um, I don't know, I don't know. If your mind immediately goes to something to the worst, maybe the you gotta reconsider your your business motivations. Your, capitalist motivations i don't know i don't know i mean who am i to say i wasn't there i don't know what's really going on but i do know that i saw pictures of people kissing their loved ones making a you know uh, it's i mean it's it's affecting i don't think there's anything that could be more true or more real than that and um you know i guess we'll have to hear the story the wwe tells and we'll maybe someone will actually get to the bottom of what happened and maybe it was nothing um but you know those pictures, I think, tell a story that, in some ways, all I need to know. I don't know, Jim. What, what did you watch? Crown Jewel? Did you have any any hot takes? I did. Um, well, first, from the actual uh, the plane situation, it reminds me a little. Uh, I saw a lot of people had pointed out the obviously Succession had a situation somewhat like that. I mean, and mm-hmm. then um, if you're familiar with like Jamestown at all, it was James Jonestown, right? Mm-hmm. That, that is like a horrifying like plane ordeal. But anyway. Um, about uh, Crown Jewel itself, if you want to talk about the wrestling and not that situation, whatever it was, I couldn't believe how popular Randy Orton is over there. I feel like oh, the place yeah. was going crazy for him. Like yeah. David Hasselhoff in Germany, that's Randy Orton in Saudi Arabia. Randy Orton's huge. <laughs> well, he's from a previous era, and we, we it's clear that they kind of are big fans of like an earlier era of pro wrestling over there. Um, but he's also just a huge megastar. I mean, that's, a people, he, that's often lost about Randy Orton, actually. Uh, people talk about him. I mean, the reason why you know he was on SmackDown was to give a certain star power to the show that it, that it needed. I mean, he, to casual fans or whatever, he's, he's enormous. Um Part of the reason why they always kept him and Cena apart until unless they were like actively feuding, um, is because like those were the two anchors for years and years. He's a he's a super duper star, man. Um, and he's funny on Twitter, weirdly. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm, I he's now on the A show on Raw, and it'll be interesting to see what they do with them. It'd be, I mean, on a in a world where the roster is really cut in half, his value kind of goes up, you know. I mean, he becomes like a real vital thing, and he could be challenging for the championship at, at any any moment in time do you think he's on raw because they had nxt show up to smackdown and they know about your randy orton test <laughs> those guys, I, that's what i thought well of. they i mean this, I this week on... i saw him standing next to triple h i was like wow shoemaker's test would kill these guys but yeah i mean having them all together in the ring with like i mean whatever it, 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 I will say that like Champa standing next to the Miz looked a lot more imposing than I thought he did. And, you know, there's, a, I mean, there's a lot of those dudes who are going to be fine. 
Um, yeah, Adam Cole, but- man, Adam Cole, Adam Cole looked totally looked totally reasonable in the ring with Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins. Um, he really looked less Im- less imposing standing next to Rhea Ripley in the ring, where it was just like <laughs> kind of the same size. Just the uh, Triple H in there, I was like, "Holy crap! Look how big Triple, triple H." Yeah, triple is H looked like how big is Triple like H? Andre six, the Giant in there. Yeah, I know he did. He's like Holy in crap. real life, Triple H is like six one. What? No, he's got to be like six four. Six. T- I mean, he looked pretty. Big. I don't feel like he lead towers over me. I yeah, but know. you're six okay. five, and I'm six one. none of that is true let's get on to the show let's get Kenny Herzog in there all right joining me on the mask line is my dear friend Kenny Herzog how you doing Kenny oh that was very endearing of you I'm doing just fine David how are you great listen we're going to talk more about crown jewel and Saudi Arabia and all that uh very deeply important stuff including the big title change that went on there but first, in the semi-main event, I want to touch on um, the competition, as it were. Um, uh, this AEW, I'd say about the worst thing you could possibly say about AEW is uh, it's just sort of so competent that uh, it's it's a little bit, I don't know, I kind of get lulled into complacency, but it's but I can't, I can't deny that like I'm super eager to watch the show every week. Um, they got a big pay-per-view of their own this weekend. Uh, called Full Gear. Um, uh, there's a bunch of big matches on it. I mean, it seems like AEW somehow finds a way to never stop gearing up for pay-per-views and keeping you excited in a way that WWE has not traditionally done in the past, or at least in recent years. But what I want to know from you, Kenny Herzog, is what match on this Full Gear card you're most excited about. And, uh, and you can tell me why as well. Well, this is, it's going to ultimately sound like I have sort of selfish interest, but I am most excited uh, for Moxley and Omega, and I confess, you know, I have a story coming out on Moxley in a couple of days, but the reason I was drawn to wanting to do that story is because, um, you know, Moxley's story is, of course, compelling, but also um, there was instant chemistry uh, with him and, and Omega, and as soon as Moxley crashed the party at double or nothing, and uh, even with Moxley being out with injury, it didn't really abate, and they've kind of picked up right where they left off and um, had that great spot of you know smashing Omega through the, the table and kind of the green room area. And so um, I really am excited to see what these two do actually in the ring um, and how it kind of nudges each of them in a, in a particular, you know, booking direction going forward, even though I know ultimately things are about kind of wins and losses, which maybe, um, you know, which maybe is kind of more foretelling of what the, uh, the, the title pictures are going to be, whatever. So that's my, that's my kind of short ish answer to it. <laughs> I yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's the number one match. And I think, you know, I, I was about to say I hate to to keep going, you know, making comparisons to WWE, but in this case, WWE deserves it. Um, uh, two things happened in relationship to this to this feud uh, or to this match build that I think WWE and any wrestling company, but particularly WWE, can learn a lesson from. One, uh, John Moxley when I got on the mic uh, on on a on on Dynamite last week um, in the middle of the ring and cut the best promo of his. Of, of his career, at least his WWE AEW career. Um, there was nothing flashy about it, nothing special about it. Uh, he didn't say anything. He didn't, there was no pipe bombing particularly. There was no 
fourth wall breaking. It was just a good. Uh, it was just like it was just a really really good promo. It felt old school in the best possible way. It didn't feel overwritten. It didn't feel super staged. And you know, there's been a lot of talk in 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 the past month or so about how AEW could actually stand to have more in ring promos, more you know, more talking on their show. Um, I agree with that. And, and I do too. But th- but there's a, but but this is you know maybe maybe the case is this you know not doing it as much makes it puts the spotlight a little bit more on the moments that really matter. Obviously, Hangman Page got on the mic this week too, but um, but I certainly paid more attention to John Moxley. I mean, obviously, paid more attention. Uh, than I would have if he'd been out there just yelling in the mic every week. You know, I mean, if 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 our John Moxley quotient had been, you know, John Moxley cutting promos on WWE every week, I would probably have not been paying attention, and certainly not be has been as sort of like overwhelmed in the best possible way as I as as uh as I was by the promo this week. Now that's number one. Um, but the number two thing, and this goes back to what you're saying, is that they've built this so well. Uh, from the moment that, that that Moxley showed up, um, it's just, I mean, I don't know if that if their original plan when they first started, you know, putting the pieces together, I don't know how long they'd had John Moxley on the dry erase board or whatever, but uh, it felt, it fell together so smoothly. It's a perfect way to kind of like introduce the world to Kenny Omega or the, 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 the American audience to Kenny Omega who doesn't, if they haven't right. seen him um, and establish him as a legit guy, but also establish them both as sort of a, a, a part of the fabric of the company and really, you know, a, a absolute top level guys. But this is the big thing that WWE could learn. We've seen them over and over again make this really stupid calculus that the biggest match on the card needs to be for the title. You know, the, the quintessential example from not that long ago was um, was Goldberg and, and and Brock Lesnar being for the Universal Title when it should, you know, when when uh, you know two minutes before. Jericho and Kevin Owens had kind of been feuding over it, and they sort of sidelined the Jericho and Kevin Owens feud. The title match almost doesn't need to be, I mean, it's almost definitionally shouldn't be the number one thing. Like, because you should be putting so much more creative energy into the number two thing and the number three thing, because the, because the title match writes itself in a, in a certain way. And the fact that, like, I'm very excited to see Chris Jericho versus Cody, but I don't know that there's anything they could have done to make me more or less excited. They, I, th- I thought they, I'm sure, I mean, they, they, they did a great job promoting it and hyping it up, but it feels like, um, it feels, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I like exactly what they did. It's a sort of very kind of classy build, but man, I mean, the, the number one match I think in everybody's mind is Moxley Omega. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are stoked for Hangman Page. Versus the bastard pack and and uh, and and also the Bucks. I mean, Bucks versus LAX or whatever they're going to call them, Santana and Ortiz, is on in some people's estimation a dream match. People have been waiting around for this one, um, but the title match is not the, is probably nobody's number one match, and that's kind of the way I feel like that's kind of the way it should be. Am I crazy? Uh, I don't think so. I think that I'm very curious about what the larger implications of whomever wins the, the Moxley Omega match are going to be, because I'm still conditioned to think about things that way. And even in, you know, promotions, say it's say New Japan, where things are simply more about the sport of it and, and um, you know, it's uh, you're not necessarily driving narratives forward with every win or loss. There'll still be, you know, somebody wins a big match and they have got the ice packs, and then someone who lied decides to line themselves up as the next challenger to that winner comes out at the top of the ramp, and it's sort of implied that, like, you know, that they're they're next. You know, so even if it's that, 
at the at the outcome of whatever happens with Max Omega. I mean, I'm interested to see essentially what's next. But I in the but in the short term, I am yeah, I'm genuinely excited um, to you know just buckle in and actually see that that match progress, I see it as a wrestling match. And it's a big moment for, and I'm sure this isn't lost on him, for Moxley to um, show that he can, he can hang and, uh, you know, and be durable in a wrestling match against someone like Kenny Omega, who is, you know, an Iron Man <laughs> and, and, a, and a hybrid. Yeah, totally true. And that's why I think it was, it was interesting that they went this way. I think they made the right choice to, to pair these two up for all the reasons you just said and, and, and more, but uh, that they didn't make maybe the safe bet, which would have been to put Kenny Omega against somebody who he could make not look like a million bucks, look like a trillion bucks. You know, that they, it would just be Kenny Omega in every little bit of his glory having, you know, a 30-minute dream match um, just to sort of establish him as the best wrestler in the world that he is. Uh, they they decided to go the Moxley route, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm happy they did. Uh, and, but John Moxley's obviously got a... He's gonna have the match of his life one way or the other, but but you know, hopefully it'll have a lot to do with him. Um, is, is something like the non-sanctioned aspect a little too kind of, um, uh, you know, a little too? Uh, it's it's like it's it's a nice, um, you know, homage to a certain sort of wrestling tradition. But is it is it is it a little too precious, or is it, do we need that? Well, I mean, there's a couple of things going on there. Uh, for one thing, the, if the win loss record is going to matter. I fear that we might have uh, this won't be the last uh, no holds barred match that we see. It just be, I mean, and it already isn't the first because or unsanctioned match because um, sanctioning un, the lack of sanction might be necessary to keep some win loss records the way that you know we want them to uh, we, we want them to and, and to still be able to build sort of super cards every time they do a big right. show. Um, but there, I am not sure that that's the case. I'm not sure that it, I think that's probably that's probably. I'm being too particular about it because there's a million ways you can get around such things. And, you know, not the least of which is like squash matches and whatever else, but it is a sort of Chekhov's gun sort of situation. I mean, I, I liked Moxley's in Moxley's promo. I, I loved his, his, his kind of explanation for the whole thing. And I liked that it mattered to him. Right. I mean, this is, that's the, that's the, it's so it's, I mean, people complain about WWE all the time. To me, the most frustrating thing over and over again is that nothing ever matters. Like nothing matters from week to week. Nothing what one guy says doesn't matter to what the next person says. Nothing matters. In this case, it really it's something so simple. Hey, this is a this is an unsanctioned match. And John Moxley said, You want unsanctioned? Okay. Well, it's your you know, he the blood is on your hands. Like that, like that's that was sort of like the, I mean, that's the, the his message, and I thought that was really cool. But but the the Chekhov's gun thing is I mean yeah I ho hopefully they have something planned that will justify the retroactively justify this decision in a way that makes you go like oh god yes I'm glad they did that um, until then AEW kind of gets the benefit of the doubt right now so you know uh, I'm 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 excited to see what they pull off or try to and and before I I mean you're the host of course and I'm you know we'll uh, wait for you to um, dictate the. Uh, the conversation here, but I am curious before we move on from the from the full gear card, uh, the, the component of having judges assess the oh, yeah. um, the Jericho uh, Cody match if if needed. I forget exactly what the you know what the the, the circumstance is. Speaking um, of yeah, speaking I mean, speaking of Chekhovian weaponry, the uh, yeah, I mean it's they're only going to come into play if the match goes to a draw or goes to the time limit. I don't even know. Uh, as soon as I saw it, I sort of rolled my <laughs> eyes. 
I'm sure, again, I shouldn't have done that. Give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't know. I mean, I'm more excited to see this kind of, like, the story actually unfold than to try to break down, uh, try, I mean, to, than to treat this like the UFC or, like, boxing ahead of the match. I mean, it's, so, it's sort of silly to do so. And if, they're, if, that's, if that's all they're going for, if these people just sit ringside and don't actually do anything, um, that seems a little bit, uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not going to be, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to go negative. This isn't going to be some sort of, you know, um, Vegas-like thing where they just are parading out, you know, the, they're parading out the, the the hottest stars to be a part of the spectacle that is, you know, full gear. I mean, I'm sure it'll have, all have um, its purpose. But as I said on Twitter around the time they announced it, you know, uh, essentially Jason Hervey or we riot uh, kind of uh, is my feeling about <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> oh, man. All right. And then Adam Page versus Pac, I mean, just to touch on really briefly, is like a cool, I mean, it's, again, um, I mean, two guys who are going to work, seem to have good chemistry and are, are going to have an incredible match. And this match matters almost as much as the championship match, because you know that this is going to put somebody in line for that, you know, I mean, to, to, to be the, the next kind of like top of the card guy. Uh, I mean, they're obviously both upper card guys, but you know what I mean? And then, and, and like I said, um, the Bucks match, as much as as exciting as as the Bucks and and the Elite have been on the show, um, I know they always pull it out big for these for these pay per views. I, I, but I think that the only thing holding me back from being like on the edge of my seat about that is because I've been so wonderfully fulfilled by the young Bucks on on Dynamite the past few weeks. Um, right. So that's interesting because you know you were saying how um, Ambrose kind of being held back in, on the microphone really made it count when he was, you know, set, set loose this past week. But now we have kind of the inverse where have we been spoiled by him, by how much we've seen of, of the Bucks, for example, in the ring yeah. where it's not going to be as spectacular on the pay-per-view. Listen, I'm not, I mean, I made this case, I made, I made the case for this after the first episode of Dynamite, and I'm not going to back down. The, the Young Bucks and the tag team ranks in general, Lucha Bros, Private Party, um, they I mean, it's what's going to set, at first blush, it's really what sets AEW apart from the competition. And I think that they have, especially in the first few couple months, they just have to go, they really have to go win on it. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's, um, if any casual fan, any lapsed fan, any, just any WWE mark tunes in, it's, it, they, they are going to be what makes you say, like, you know, what you're going to be talking about the next day. And so they have to, they have to overdo it almost. Um, but but I but but you know part of that part of the fallout of that is that just you know I'm not like salivating to see them fight uh, Santana and Ortiz uh, at 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 full gear even though I know it's going to be an incredible match. Well, and the good news is at least that um, you know there's there's a larger story happening surrounding the inner circle yeah. and whatever you want to call the cohort of um, of the Bucks and our other executive vice president heroes. Well, that's, um, that's one, that's so, one thing they're going to have to, they're going to have to figure that out because they keep calling them the elite on the, on the air. Everybody knows who they are. We know who the elite is, but if like Adam page is part of the elite, as they constantly point out to us, Kenny Omega is part of the elite. It's really weird that Cody wrote the Cody has a tough time getting people to back him up in his brawls. Right. I mean, it's like the, <laughs> these guys, this is the one stable that was there at the beginning at the inception of the company. They should just be out there like like pounding Jake Hager's face every single week, but you know, obviously that doesn't make for great storytelling. But at some point, you got to sort of back off the elite moniker. I don't, I don't know if it's if, or, or this, just t say it's like a you get a Letterman's jacket and then we we move on with our lives. I don't know. I don't really well, get it. Yeah, some somehow it has to be codified because there's 
there is sort of um, a, a bit of a a bit of blurring of the lines between um, you know the it's you know it has that click aspect where okay we know sure. these guys are kind of tight in real life and and the rep and the elite kind of embodies that but it's also something that exists within like the kayfabe construct of thing and so uh, yeah it would it would help um, vis-a-vis the inner circle to sort of really determine and delineate like who okay what the sides are and who's how we um, how we sort of decide to um, identify them or, or brand them I suppose all right that's it for AEW. Let's move on yeah, to WWE. AEW. I'm sorry about it. Not, <laughs> not at all how I feel. <laughs> Great. Great. Good luck. Good luck getting press access from now on. Um, we're very excited about Full Gear. So many DMs I'll have to send. Okay, go ahead. Next, and we're going to get to Saudi Arabia, but I want I, that's the main event. I want, before we get there, I want to focus on everything that's happened because of Saudi Arabia or since Saudi Arabia, which is this uh, in the, at the Saudi Arabia show, I guess I should say, at Crown Jewel, they announced that Survivor Series is not just Raw versus SmackDown, but it's Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT. And then with all these people trapped in uh, Saudi Arabia, there was a big hole on the Friday Night SmackDown roster. Uh, the script was wide open, and they flew in a bunch of NXT talent to fill it up. And now the NXT invasion of the main roster is in full effect. On SmackDown, we got... Uh, Adam Cole, def- or Adam, yeah, Adam Cole defeating um, Daniel Bryan. We got uh, appearances by Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, uh, Ciampa, um, the rest of the uh, Undisputed Era. Um, oh, R- Rhea Ripley and Tegan Knox, who are a tag team somehow. Um, and then on <laughs> Raw, and then on Raw, we obviously got uh, you know Triple H and 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 uh, I mean the big appearance by Triple H and Shawn Michaels, and then uh, the main event of um, Seth Rollins versus Adam Cole. Kind of shocking to me that they're going all in on Adam Cole like this. I mean, he's fr- he's fantastic, but like um, that he like main evented both shows is a huge vote of confidence for the guy. Um, if it's going to mean I gotta tell you, or unless, they, it, unless, you know, because it's one of those things where after Survivor Series, like, you know, he just sort of gets redeployed back to NXT and we, and that's, that's the end of, of that. Well, that's, that's fine. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, that's, if that, I mean, that's good for NXT, right? I mean, that's fine. And I don't, I don't have any desire for Adam Cole to be pulled away from that, to, to have him be a, a su- like a lower tier mid Carter on Raw or something. I mean, it'd be, you know, it, it's, I don't think that's a benefit to anybody. I will just say this prior to the invasion angle, somebody made a really compelling case to me that they'd find a way to get the, the NXT title on Finn by S- Survivor Series, um, so that they could do, you know, Brock versus Fiend versus Finn in the main event, uh, because that would be like the biggest draw, you know, all the biggest names right. in the match. And I was just like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. You know, I mean, I, di- I didn't, I didn't, you know, try to do the math or anything, but I was like, yeah, okay, I got that. That that sounds good. Um, Except- and then, and then now, I mean, it just looks like Adam Cole is going to be, at least for booking purposes, accepted into the Pantheon as one of these top guys. Well, you know, I have to admit, I haven't, um, I mean, I, re- I recognize, I watched the shows and I saw that Adam Cole was, um, you know, really being, um, you know, put, put, uh, put in the position, in the, in the, in the position of, uh, of carrying the water for, uh, for the NXT crew. But I was more, I was more focused on the fact that for one, yeah, Balor wasn't a part of the invasion that we saw happen, um, 
on Raw, and I don't think he was on the one on. I don't think we saw him on Raw or SmackDown, right? Which no, no, no he wasn't on. He, he and Johnny and Johnny Gargano, I don't think, was around either. So, well, I can't explain the Gargano thing, but the Balor thing, I could see it being strategic because it's a you know mixed messages. Okay, we just kind of sent, you know I don't want to say sent him down. We just sort of reassigned him to NXT, and now you know to see him, it's maybe a little too soon to wrap our heads around him being back on Raw or SmackDown programming, but he's with NXT. Um, there's a disconnect there, possibly. But I also would say, as far as the idea of, of Fiend, Balor, and um, and Brock, which you already said, like, that's probably not how this is going. It just it wouldn't make sense. Not that anything makes sense in the WWE-verse. Just the last we saw Balor in Raw and what, what expedited his being reassigned, theoretically, was the Fiend, more or less, Squashing him, um, and suddenly to have to accept that Balor now is um, would be a, a threat again. He would be re-resurrected right. or somehow, or re, you know what I mean, re- reinvigorated it to the extent where he would be on a par with the Fiend, you know, as the face of NXT. It just would all feel too. It would all feel too uh, cockamamie to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that's. I mean, that all makes sense. Um, but the, I mean the 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 kind of payoff to all this i mean the end result is that we have nxc folks along with triple h standing tall um we're back in i got i mean i have to say that smackdown and raw was very very entertaining very exciting shows mostly almost entirely because of this invasion angle but like invasion I, I, angles I, I, I have a slightly different point of view on this but uh, but i'll digress well the, the floor be yours in a second to explain but i will say that contra I mean, not not Condra. <laughs> uh, it, like previous invasion <laughs> angles and and previous uh, milk toast builds to Survivor Series, you're kind of left wondering why certain people are suddenly friends just because there's like interbrand warfare, um, and why certain people are enemies. Why the why the people who are just called up from NXT are like trying to punch their friends in the face. I'm not exactly sure what the stakes are here. Um, you can, I guess you can convince me that you know Triple H is a low-key cult leader that has everybody you know wrapped around his finger uh if that's what you want to do but i don't i'm not quite sure why anybody on raw or smackdown is like so incensed by this except seth rollins he seems like the sort of guy that would just get real mad about something as dumb as someone else showing up on a show and challenge somebody to a match um (laughs) well he's like a seth Seth rollins is sort of like a the head counselor the head camp counselor yeah exactly he just wants he gets a guys there are rules for a reason um (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I I think that it'll be they'll they'll temp, I mean, for me, for for my sanity, they'll have to explain that moving forward. But um, but aside from that, I enjoyed the week. You 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 had a you're going to dissent from my from my enjoyment of Raw and SmackDown. Well, I, I Raw was okay, and and look at the end of the day, you mentioned before about whether you look forward to Dynamite. I, I still it still feels you know it's it's a it's a perfunctory thing that of course I'm going to watch Dynamite. I still haven't gotten to that place where like I really. Um, and, and waiting for it, and I'm anticipating it. I whether I like it, it's purely because of the conditioning, but I'm I just still kind of you know know that it's raw clock when it's you know when it's Monday at eight o'clock that kind of thing. And I thought raw was okay. Uh, the SmackDown thing maybe. I, <laughs> all right, so I'm and this will, this sort of touches on what we're about to talk about with Saudi Arabia. You know, I've made my feelings public. You know, I'm not on board the Saudi Arabia relationship. And um, it felt karmic somehow that they were in this position of um, holding their dick in their hand and having to, um, you know, 
bring in, like you said, fly in, you know, all, all the NXT talent, even if the conceit was always going to be NXT versus SmackDown versus Raw, and they were going to have this slow creep of, the, of an invasion, you know, they really had to kind of hasten that, um, that process. I just, it just all looked so lame and embarrassing and cringy that, you know, every, every major, um, it was almost, it almost felt like every major SmackDown star were being, um, punished for the sins of whatever, of whatever happened in Saudi Arabia, um, be it the larger moral sort of quandary or the, or just the technical challenges of getting, um, the people out of there. And it just, it just made me cringe. The whole thing made me cringe of suddenly having to kind of, um, uh, it just felt, um, uh, inorganic and it felt, I'm losing, I'm lacking the words for it, but I was like incredulous watching it. And then I saw that people were saying, oh, this was the most entertaining thing ever. And I realized that people love NXT and, um, you know, they mark out for it and, and it's kind of, um, you know, Jets and Flintstones kind of worlds collide thing happening. I just, um, to me, the whole thing was, the whole thing was, was of a piece with how embarrassing and, and deservedly shameful the whole, um, fallout from their, um, from their logistical issues, uh, making it back from Saudi Arabia and trying to eat off more than they can chew by having Thursday night and crown jewel in Saudi Arabia. And then Friday night Smackdown live the next day in the United States. I felt like they deserve this. So, you know what? It's a shit show and just let it, let the circus come through town. Ah, that's how well, I felt. Listen, uh, if you were, if you were preoccupied by the Saudi Arabia situation, you weren't alone. Let's go ahead and talk about that. Um, obviously the main event this week, the big, the big issue, is uh, this whole Saudi Arabia fiasco. Um, on Thursday, WWE had a, I hesitate to say pay-per-view, had a special event emanating from Saudi Arabia called Crown Jewel. Uh, it was in the afternoon. I watched some of it live. I didn't watch all of it live. Um, there was some actually interesting stuff that happened, and we'll get to the actual stuff of it maybe a little bit later. Because the really interesting thing that happened um, was that when they were leaving to rush back to, for the SmackDown taping, um, which is already just like, as discussed, just, I mean, the scheduling was just ridiculous and that they had to like jump on a 16 hour flight just to barely make it back in time for, right. you know, the show that Fox paid a billion dollars for seems like, you know, some, some mismanagement, but whatever, that's not going to be the mismanagement that we really care about. Um, so so we so as of like Friday morning, they I don't know some people who were up late Thursday night started noticing this stuff, and then Friday morning everybody the kind of the wrestling world woke up to just like a holy shit what the hell is happening situation where it seemed like W all, all the talent or most of the talent uh, was stuck in a runway in Saudi Arabia and not being allowed to leave. Now of course people's I mean people's assumptions um, go quickly in the direction of terror, um, but. It doesn't, it's kind of unclear how much terror was really in play. But before we get too deep into it, let me, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, let me just go through for anyone that, that wasn't following this. Uh, John Pollock has a good post on postwrestling.com that kind of goes through all the stuff we know. So here's what we know about WWE and Saudi Arabia uh, after Crown Jewel or surround the issues that surrounding Crown Jewel. All right. Uh, again, this is from John Pollock. Prior to the charter, prior to the charter flight, uh, the charter flight that was set to leave Thursday night at 3 a.m. local time, Vince McMahon and his staff left the country. Uh, reasoning behind that is unknown. The charter flight did not take off, and those on the flight remained on the tarmac for over six hours. 
Uh, WWE press release cited uh, several aircraft problems, including mechanical issues. A separate charter flight was arranged for specific people uh, with Fightful reporting. Roman Reigns, Bray Wyatt, Bobby Lashley, The Revival, New Day, Shinsuke, among those on the flight. Um, most of those people were on the SmackDown, had been advertised for SmackDown. Brock Lesnar, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Paul Heyman, and Jimmy Hart had their own private flights previously scheduled. They were gone. WWE included the following statement in the press release, acknowledging the separate charter flight. Um, with SmackDown set to emanate live from Buffalo, several superstars felt so strongly that they arranged for their own separate charter in order to make it back to the U.S. for the show. Um, but that line clearly irked some of the people who were there. Luke Harper, Carl Anderson, Curtis Axel, a whole lot of like leave no man behind tweeting from those guys. Um, right. The second charter flight did not make it back in time for SmackDown. Um, and then... On Friday, uh, the charter operator, Air Atlas, um, issued a statement saying uh, that the, the flight was currently delayed in Saudi Arabia due to a mechanical issue. Our top priority is always to ensure passengers arrive safely and on time at their destination, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then Hugo Savinovich <laughs> uh, ends up on a Facebook live stream um, saying that the issue was that the, the WWE had not been paid money by the government of Saudi Arabia, something like $60 million. He, he, he made up a number, which confused the issue for a minute, but it's a lot of money. And this is again from Hugo, and that WWE threatened to pull the live signal for Crown Jewel so it could not be broadcast in the country. It ended up airing a, an hour on an hour delay, which whether or not Hugo's right, that is true, and that was unexpected, it seems. The next day... Oh, sorry, Hugo explained that a WWE executive called him to, to give him condolences on his recently deceased wife and told him all of this stuff, uh, which is just wild. Um, oh, and then, yeah, so it goes on to say on the investor call, WWE's investor call on Thursday, it was stated that a payment of $60 million was made after September 30th, but before October 31st. So it was not in the, in the you know, the earnings statement the way it should be. And uh, then the closing out, Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Radio, said that several performers left in Saudi Arabia felt that they were left abandoned in the country and were pawns in a dick-waving contest between McMahon and the Saudi government. Um, subsequent to that, w, uh, apparently there was a uh, there was a uh, all-hands meeting. Um, I mean, this Vince tried to explain to everybody uh, that that there wasn't it wasn't what everybody made it out to be. I don't know. There, the whole I, I can't. I can go on and on and on. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, oh and then oh sorry beyond all that WWE and Saudi Arabia ex uh, put out a release saying they're expanding their partnership which it didn't really seem like right. they were expanding it that much but they kind of had to do this press release saying like oh we've doubled our deal to what we everybody thought it was in the first place um, maybe maybe that was information they weren't planning on releasing quite so soon but that certainly helps um, you know redirect the conversation this is this whole um, situation is so wild. Uh, what what we do i mean i mean the th what the, i think what's one more thing that's worth pointing out is that a lot of the news that we were getting in the inter in the intervening time WWE wasn't saying jack and people and all these reporters are out there getting a lot of them getting i know for a fact you know direct text messages from wrestlers who were there but the wrestlers who were there didn't know exactly what was going on they were justifiably flipping the fuck out <laughs> uh or just otherwise pissed off and, you know, maybe they heard that there was a mechanical issue or maybe they just heard some flight attendant say something, you know, whatever, and they and they misinterpreted it or they get they got bad information, whatever. 
Um, the truth of the matter is that people there were like mad and upset and scared and, and as anybody else would be in that situation and that they, there were people that went on ahead of them. Correct. It's a mess, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's a mess. It's, it's a mess and it's all born out of this, um, piggishness of trying to, you know, uh, put on a, a show at the pleasure of the kingdom one evening and the next evening turn it around and have, you know, half of those participants performing in Buffalo, New York at the pleasure of, uh, of, you know, the SmackDown on Fox, um, audience for the, uh, for, um, in, you know, the pleasure of the larger pleasure of, um, of the, the Fox, uh, exec- executive, uh, order <laughs> with which they are now, to which they are now beholden. I just think, you know, <laughs> This was this was avoidable. It was, as you said, it was mismanagement, you know, in the first place. And there's lessons to be learned, but there's also the but these things don't just simply um, these things play out one way or the other in public in real time, whether you like it or not, because of the fact that players are uh, players, excuse me, uh, wrestlers are uh, like us, and they're on a plane, and they're on a tarmac, and they're tweeting, and they're angry, and they're in a foreign country, and a weird and maybe hostile foreign country. Uh, you know, you get paranoid, you get tired, you get thirsty, you get hungry. You know, you hear rumors, you hear gossip. You uh, you know, you want to sh- you you want to vent. You want to um, you know, uh, it, it all the, all this sort of stuff takes on a life of its own. I will say that I watching from a distance. Um, People try and piece together, you know, a lot of, there were a lot of jokes, memes going around with the stupid, uh, it's always sunny guy, you know, doing his FBI board of, of, of tying together the different conspiratorial elements. And I, but I think, you know, kidding about it in that way is maybe a little, maybe appropriate because uh, without report, without really reporting the story, um, and I saw that Forbes got, you know, some, did some good original reporting on it. Uh, you can't, you can't just go ahead and start saying, well, clearly because, you know, uh, we can infer certain meaning from what this wrestler tweeted while they were on this plane and can, you know, concurrent with what this Hugo guy had to say uh, on Facebook Live and then take into account the larger context of what we think we know about the nature of the of the relationship, you know, and, uh, between the government of this nation, the kingdom of this nation and the, uh, the you know, the chairman of, of WWE. It just, I just say, you know what, I'm just going to sit back and just see how this actually plays out and um, see what happens when the dust settles. I would love to maybe be the person out there doing the reporting about it myself, but that's not really how I'm spending my weekend. So, Well, well listen, I mean, the people that were out there, Sean Ross Sapp, Dave Meltzer, there are I mean, a bunch of people who've done some good reporting on the issue. Um, I have this Forbes story that you mentioned pulled up now. Um, we're, oh, weirdly, there's a Fox, but finally some like real media. I mean, I guess take, take that. <laughs> I mean, your mileage may vary, but Fox right. business has a piece that, that says Saudi Arabia finally pays WWE for crown jewel broadcasts. Um, uh, which backs up that, that financial aspect of the story, which I don't think was in much doubt, but it kind of got subsumed by this conspiracy theory, which may or may not, which may actually be true. Who knows? But the first story that was out there was that they owed some money and Vince pulled the plug on the broadcast as like revenge or as like, you know, to hold him up, which is just like great, perfect Vince sort of a totally Vince move, except as you mentioned, I mean, we're talking about the Saudi government and, and we, there can be, you know, there's people out there reporting it. Uh, there's people doing their damnedest to try to figure out what's going on. Um, WWE's obviously has a vested interest in like kind of running interference on that. Uh, the fact that they announced this, the, 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 you know, they put up the press release about, 
uh, expanding the relationship with Saudi Arabia is clearly in response to this stuff. So, like, it's hard to make the case that they're not vested in, like, changing the shifting the storyline one way or the other, whether or not any of this stuff is true. Um, but WWE's got a vested interest in it. But the problem is we have WWE on one end and Saudi Arabia on the other end. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like the the, the usual, like, mechanisms of wrestling report, reported you're going to, like, get to the bottom of this because, as mentioned, like, the wrestlers themselves don't necessarily know what's going on. Nobody, nobody can, nobody can be pat about saying, "Well, you know, we we can just, you know, this and this and this." Ipso facto, clearly, this is this is what was, um, you know, essentially happening in a room in a conversation somewhere between someone from WWE and someone from the kingdom. So we don't, that it's when you get into that realm, um, that's where you need to really, and people were, I saw some people were complaining. Why isn't the, you know, why isn't the traditional media or big wrestling media doing more to, to cover this? It's cause, well, you know, it's a, it's not just a wrestling story. It's at that point, you need someone who has real experience in context doing, you know, doing, international correspondence and, and has, you know, familiarity and expertise, you know, with, with covering, um, you know, with covering the Middle East and covering Saudi Arabia. I mean, I, I so I, it was just, uh, above everyone's pay grade to some degree, my, you know, my own included. And, um, uh, I just, uh, think, yeah, pretending like we know the machinations of that, um, is, 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 uh, is misleading and, uh, leads to more confusion, but, I just, I just feel like I have to say that one way or the other, and with the deal with Saudi Arabia expanding, it feels like now, suddenly, October, you know, I, this is a weird comparison. I live in a town that has, that's very um, attached to the lore of the Halloween season. And from late September to early November, the town is is absolutely suffused with Halloweenness, and it's a big tourist trap, and it's kind of a nightmare. Um, and we just recon- we live here, and we reconcile ourselves to the fact that October is just no longer ours, and we just have to bear down. And I feel like, as a fan of WWE, that's what October is just going to be. Apparently, now it's going to be this sort of sacrifice to the. the relationship with Saudi Arabia and maybe they're going to increasingly assimilate it into the con- into the seamlessness of of year-round programming which is maybe why we're seeing the title change with the fiend to kind of get us a, you know accustomed to that but it's a bit of a bummer and then November it's like oh and now every November is just going to be like like let's just push push pause and just interrupt our regular broadcasting for this insane um you know, grown-up color war that we have of you know of brand versus brand versus brand, um, and it just is a it's a major disruption um, in the in the programming as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, um, it's a it, 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 this whole situation like it's 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 one it's it's frustrating only because we can say like oh it's a developing story hopefully we'll you know we'll be able to talk about what really happened but we we may never i mean this this story could just be swept under the rug like everything else wwe in the next couple of weeks and and you know we'll just remember it the next time they do a show in saudi it'll be interesting to see what the what the roster looks like for future shows in saudi arabia um I'm not sure that it would make much difference, you know, to the to the crowd there if it was just like, you know, if Hulk Hogan just reunited the crew from his like Australia tour back in the day and just like had like a Legends of Wrestling show. But um but yeah, I mean, especially when it's like affecting the rest of your perform the rest of your job when you can't make it to SmackDown or whatever and and um 
you know, I'm, you know, like they said, I mean, the Forbes reported that the paydays are getting, you know, are, are shrinking from what they once were, these sort of like enormous paydays, but I'm sure they're still getting big bonuses, but Meltzer's reporting and take it with a grain of salt, I guess, that there's a lot of talent who said they're never going again and that, you know, they're... I, that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, that would. Who knows if they're going to stick to it when the next time rolls around? But listen, I mean, it's a problem if there's if if everything if if all these theory conspiracy theories whatever are false. If it's just if it was just a mechanical issue, and by the time they could fix it, the flight crew was you know had been awake too long, so they had to reboot the next day. I mean, these things happen in 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 you know plane travel, international plane travel especially. Um, although it is a little bit weird, they couldn't just like get on a bus and go to, you know, somewhere, I mean, take it, find another charter flight, but whatever. But if everything, if, if everything that WWE is telling us is true, it's still a problem when there's a mechanical issue on an airplane and everybody's first assumption is all of my favorite wrestlers are going to be murdered by the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> right? I don't want you to make light of it. I mean, it's it's serious. If like that's no, where everybody's no, no, head no. goes, and what are you doing in this situation? With good reason, because it reminds us of the trauma of the fact that a American resident journalist Jamal Khashoggi was murdered by, on the orders of the, of, of MBS, and it it kind of puts everything back in, into stark relief, and it's hard to kind of just lose yourself in the. Uh, um, in the marketing of it all and just assume that your heroes will be safe. And that's probably the realization they're having too. But frankly, I was surprised when I was seeing these reports that people are angry with Vince, uh, talent are angry with Vince because of what happened at Crown Jewel and concerned not going back. My, I'm so naive and dumb that I thought, oh, it's because they're having a, a general crisis of conscience when, no, no, it's because they weren't protected. They didn't feel protected and they were left potentially stranded. And that also, you know, kind of, yeah, shook up, shook them up about like the the larger kind of um, questions that need to be asked about being there. But I really just thought, oh, finally, they're all they're all asking the questions they should be asking about why they're fucking there in the first place. Uh, this is a hard thing for me personally to navigate as a WWE fan and someone who writes about and assesses wrestling for a living because I I should really be um, it should be the kind of thing that um, I I am firm about in in maybe even wanting to kind of not participate in. Um, in consuming the product, you know, as, as some sort of gesture, but uh, either I don't have the spine or a conviction, or I just feel like it's just, it's just actually part of my job to be, um, to be in there, to be, to be one of the voices talking about it in this way, in an educated way. I just, uh, just think they, they, um, whatever they had come into the, with the situation, it was, it was, it's their own making. Yeah. We, we, there was actually a show. Um, that we get a kind of uh, retcon into this conversation. Uh, Seth Rollins lost the WWE title or the Universal title to uh, the Fiend Bray Wyatt. Uh, it's a, the end result of this sort of uh, switcheroo where Brock Lesnar quit SmackDown and is now uh, has taken the WWE title to Raw, where he's chasing Rey Mysterio. And I guess uh, Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, is your new SmackDown champ, um, which is cool. Uh, kind of shocking that they that they had a big moment on the show like that. I mean, we also had a the first ever Saudi Arabia women's match, um, which I mean, uh, whatever. But the, I mean, it, it's, I, a, it's, I, it's it's a it's a cool it's a cool moment that is totally swallowed up by everything that happened around it, by um, the sort of propagandic aspects of the whole thing, and also by the the fact that you know it's uh, WWE just insists upon it to such a degree that um, anyway. You have to acquiesce to the 
um, you know, whatever the standards are in sure. Saudi Arabia, but there was it just, you know, they were them, them cosplaying my, you know, my, uh, my, my aunt, you know, in their, uh, <laughs> in their attire was, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, interesting. It, it, well, whatever. Yeah, I mean, but there was that, and they had, you know, we obviously we had, um, you know, the the uh, Tyson Fury uh, KO'd um, Braun Strowman. That was sort of a big match. Cain Velasquez had his uh, debut, brief as it was. Those are the sort of big moments that we were expecting. Um, normally, we like to say that that the stuff that happens in Saudi Arabia is sort of outside time in a different in a parallel universe from the rest of WWE and. And, you know, the stuff that happens there doesn't particularly matter, except just to, like, mess up the WWE storytelling that goes on around it. Um, but we have a new we have a new champion. I mean, the, this, the end of the Bray Wyatt-Seth Rollins feud is that Bray Wyatt won, and now Seth Rollins right. is moving on. Um, what is it? Do you have any, any briefly, any any expectations for Bray as the uh, face, the new fa- <laughs> the face, uh, I guess, pun intended, of SmackDown? Well, I appreciate the, um, you know, the suggestion of, of being brief because that's not what I've been today. But I just want to point out, people are very hard to please. Every, everyone with Bray Wyatt historically, the whole thing was he never gets to win the big one. He never gets to come out on top, you know, at the, at the conclusion of a, of, a, of a rivalry. And, well, here you go. But there are people who are still sort of hung up on what happened, in, you know, at Hell in a Cell and that it should have happened then or this way or that way. or Maybe he shouldn't have a title. But maybe the Fiend should or should. I, look, I think it's... Uh, I think it's I, it feels right. Um, I, you know, I don't, I think it'd be great if, uh, I don't think the fiend needs to treat the title, uh, as if it's as worthless as the way, you know, Tetsuya Naito was treating, you know, the intercontinental title a couple of years back in new Japan or something like that. But I think it would be nice if he were kind of ambivalent about, um, the materialism of the, of the belt itself as part of his, uh, um, presentation in the coming weeks. But, uh, you know, but to me, you know, the feeds it's pretty awesome, and um, it just does. It does absolutely suggest that okay, like it or not, Crown Jewel is kind of get used to it. It's now going to be a fixture. It's going to be um, there's it's going to there's going to there's going to be real real stakes. Yeah, I think that's right. I was brief. See there. <laughs> there that, 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 you did that really well. No, I'm I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see where they go with this too. Um, it's one of those. I think. You know, to go back to the kind of meta story, which obviously we love here, um, it's uh, it, sh- it it kind of reminds us that Bray Wyatt was probably like the number one, or at least like the a top three draft pick of Fox of you know the Fox Network, and uh, and with good reason. And now we're going to see him out there um, anchoring the show uh, along with you know Roman Reigns and. Uh, assorted others so you know it'll, it'll be a bit, again we're as as exciting as as it is sort of being this new era of pro wrestling um the whole you know the launch of the new fox show was immediately sort of obscured by the saudi arabia thing and now we're sort of in this survivor series storyline which like i said i'm into but um you know i'm not i'm not like saying we i wish we were in some kind of monotonous empty period of the wrestling calendar but it does feel like we're still waiting to understand what the status quo of the new show is going to be i'm excited to see it because um you know uh i'm i'm sure fox is i'm i'm just excited to see what fox kind of has in store anyway well, we, we got to get we got to get out of here um you wrote an amazing piece this week for us at the ringer.com about the history of green mist in uh, in pro wrestling one of my formative uh uh nightmares um when it comes to the pro wrestling world 
Um, you broke down all the all the legends who have spat it over the years and uh, and how it got us and and how we got today to uh, Oscar um, Green misting folks. Uh, also, um, you have a piece coming out uh, from Bleacher Report right this week about John Moxley, uh, who you just mentioned yep. or you mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, anything else? Yeah. Anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here? Um. Well, I I don't think so because I I'll say I have some things that I'm working on for the ringer, uh, especially that uh, you know I don't want to I don't want to let the cat out of the bag too soon. But uh, as you know, it's going to be um, good stuff and um, looking forward to also in addition you know hopefully for um, as we talked about uh, you know maybe starting to look back at the year and review soon and that's about it. I uh, I don't you know I'd say also people just. For, don't forget that you know MLW's you know out there on being sports on Saturday yeah. nights, putting on a good show. New Japan still putting out on a good show on Axis. Um, you know, just you know, support wrestling. I even hey, even watch women in wrestling on Axis. Watch cha- Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, uh, um, Z Living or whatever network you get it. There's a lot of good stuff out there, and it doesn't all have to be life or death. That's true. That's true. Uh, sometimes it is though. Well, unless you're uh, in Saudi Arabia on a tarmac. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much, Kenny. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon, man. Thanks, guys. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Mass Man Show. 